Easy Vibes on the Easy Desert Podcast, your cool guide to investing. What are some key things that you hope to achieve while you're at Purple? So one of the key things is obviously, you know, Purple has really been more of a startup and now we need to change it into a scale-up. And so that's why it's quite important for someone like me to come in, create some more structure around the governance processes, the risk, the compliance, um, even the way that we look at our strategy approach on the legal side. So, you know, get all of those guardrails in place to make sure that we're able to now take the business to the next growth level. And also it's becoming more of an international business. It's no longer just a South African business. So really making sure that we set ourselves up well. Welcome to Easy Does It, a podcast by Easy Equities, where we simplify money and investing. No jargon, no complications. Your cool guide to investing. Easy. Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing. My name is DJ At Large. (laughs) Now, we've hosted various people on the Easy Does It, from captains of industry to financial experts, entrepreneurs, and even a wealth psychologist. Today, we'll be hanging out and vibing with a new member of Purple Group family. Nicola Kominos. hope I've said that right, but uh, she'll <laughs> correct me if I haven't. She's the new Chief Risk Officer at Purple Group. Nicola, welcome to the Easy Does It podcast. It's a lovely vibing with you. Awesome. It's lovely to be here. Firstly, congratulations on the new role. Thanks so much. So the reason why we wanted to have you on the podcast is listeners of the podcast, just like me, happen to be Purple Group uh, shareholders, right? So we have a vested interest in new members who join the organization. And hopefully you'll be taking our Purple Group as a business to new heights. So we're very interested to learn more about who you are, your history. And perhaps we should start with a random money question. So Nicola, if you could send a money message to your 16-year-old son, what would it be? I am going to have to paint a little picture for you uh-huh. of my 16-year-old version <laughs> before I answer the question. So so let me take you back. Um, I have always been very keen to have lots of money. Mm. <laughs> so as a young girl, I used to negotiate with my parents to say, what jobs can I do around the house to get some extra money? Um, so I used to make my dad's lunch um, and I used to pack his socks. He used to be quite wanting black and uh, blue and uh, white and all separated. Okay. Um, and I converted my parents' garage into a candle-making factory. You were on I made lots of candles um, and I made you know, beadworks with was quite in so I made a lot of beaded jewelry and you know like those types of things beaded hanging type um, ornaments in, in lots of odds and ends sold it at markets at school wow. wherever so I was very excited to be 16 years old because then I could actually work um, and then I started working as a waitress uh, at a company um, that also did a hosted functions so uh, you get a lot more money than just pure waitressing tips you get a percentage of the function being hosted and you know all the promotion work Clarence, perfume, all those things, I was there. So I would probably go back to my 16-year-old self and say, money will come. You don't have to do all those jobs and hustle so much for it at this stage. So yeah, take it easy, girl. Oh, man, I absolutely love that. Of course, you work within the financial services space. So I'm keen to give uh, our listeners a sneak peek into your investment portfolio. You did say that you love money. So I'm assuming that your portfolio is quite healthy. Uh, Are you willing
willing to give us a little bit of a sneak peek into it? Yeah, sure. The one thing, though, that's a little bit of a letdown, potentially, mm-hmm. is that obviously because I've worked for the JSC for the last 15 years, it was quite tricky to invest in individual shares. Mm-hmm. So what I ended up doing, um, let me take you back, uh, 2005, that was pretty much when I finished Varsity, a group of friends and I got together. Um, some of them were in finance, most of them not. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of them in marketing or HR or completely different disciplines. Um, Mixed background, all of us, we met at Varsity and and we became friends. It was a supper club of all girls. Mm -hmm. And we decided to set up an investment club. But because some of us were in finance, it was quite tricky to buy individual shares. We decided to keep it to ETFs and ETNs. So we set up um, that investment club. And over the years, other girls got jealous. So we set up another one. (laughs) Um, So I've always been involved in that space. And I predominantly, my portfolio is a mixture of ETFs and ETNs. Oh, Oh, that's such an interesting one. this group that you're talking about, is it Women in ETF South Africa? No. I heard about something. I was like, all right, I know she's got an obsession with ETFs, but I'm here. I need to, I need to figure out what's going on here. Tell us a bit about that. Sure. No, that is actually a global organization. Um, it was established by a lady that I would call like the godmother of ETFs, Deborah Fur. So anyone can go look her up. Um, so she pretty much established some of the first ETFs globally, set them up, and she's created this community, Women in ETFs, which is a nonprofit organization. Uh, it's started off in the US, it then spread out into the European region, and now it's all over the world, in Asia, in um, EMEA. We're obviously part of the EMEA chapter. We have a separate chapter in South Africa. Uh, we had to have at least 50 members to be able to register ourselves, so I was very excited back then to then actually get to that number. Uh, now we're already over 200, and we're continuously growing um, as a community. And the main purpose behind this setup is really to make sure that we create a platform and a foundation for other women in finance to support each other. So like a mentorship, sponsor type structure. Uh, We do run mentorship programs. We host lots of different events. We get interesting speakers. And we pretty much just support each other because the reality is, I just remember when I started working in finance, it is and it has been over the years quite a male-dominated industry. So we really want to just create some space, a safe zone for girls to support each other and and it's not just women it's women in etfs but we have men and women as members because it is about men and women supporting and creating more female empowerment and opportunities in the industry such an amazing initiative you know you've obviously got a background in risk because that's quite a lot of what you do i'm keen to know what you think about crypto do you think it's here to stay my answer to crypto would be more a digital answer because it's more around do you believe there is a digital economy Mm. Do you believe we have a lot of digital assets? Um, and I think if we think about how that whole digital world is evolving and how businesses are wanting to get on the digitization roadmap and bandwagon and really wanting to make sure that they don't miss out, um, the reality is the future is digital and we do need digital currencies in that environment to be able to operate. So yes, I think it's here to stay. Uh, I think there will probably be a lot more regulatory structure being put in place because we do need to protect investors and unfortunately there's a lot of fraud opportunities in that space but yeah i think it's here to stay and it's very exciting and you need to have a diverse portfolio so um have a little bit of everything in there yes definitely so i was told that you're an extremely busy lady uh you're clearly doing a lot of different things uh but a little buddy did also tell me that uh, you recently contributed a chapter uh to a book uh, i'm really keen to know what is this book what's the chapter all about oh you even have it with you oh i love it <laughs> love it tell me a bit about this book sure yeah i thought um I'll, I'll come show you this has actually got a different story so i was part of a board masterclass series it's like a 
board training program that okay. they run. It was run by Business Engage in partnership with the 30% Club. So they try and get more women empowered to be able to be directors of boards yes. because we've got a very low percentage of female directorships globally. It's not just this SA issue. Um, and this organization, uh, I met this wonderful lady there. She was part of the program, Natalie Abrams. And she just like, got in touch with me last year and said to me, look, she wants to write. She want to, wants to pull this book together. And do I want to contribute a, a chapter? Um, so Natalie does a lot of amazing stuff also in the mentorship space, etc. And so I said to her, yeah, sure. So myself and 12 other ladies, so it's 13 ladies in total, contributed a chapter each. Um, and my one is entitled proudly Afrikaans Kalfut Noi Komninos. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll get to explain explain that. Um, but the book's name is Made to Last. So it's all personal stories about all of us. Oh man, where do we get the book? Uh, where do we purchase it? I mean, we'd like to, to, to read it and support. I know it is on Amazon. I think you'll be able to just go Google and find out Made to Last, which was edited by Natalie Abrams and Ruby Solomon. And uh, I'm sure you'll find it there. Oh, man, absolutely cool. love that. And and I'm glad that your story is being told somewhere, which is which is so important because it goes back to, you know, we need more women in these spaces that are leading things. And I absolutely love that uh, about going through your story and, and getting to know you a little bit more. And that brings me into your role, right, at, at Purple. To the average South African such as myself, what on earth is the role of a chief risk officer? The name itself is a bit misleading because it does give you a sense that chief risk officer that I have to take care and manage all the risks Mm -hmm. but yeah let me take a step back so if I have to describe the role I would rather say the chief relationship officer or the chief coordination officer or something like that but essentially it's someone that has to really be very well clued up in terms of the commercial acumen of the business what are all the things that the business objectives are that you want to achieve so what what's your strategy what do you want to achieve as a business so let's look at purple group they are very passionate and have a specific goal and mandate and vision of making investments easy for everyone and so it's looking at that goal looking at that objective and then saying well what are the things that can hold us back from achieving that so it's looking at what are those threats that can barricade your road or looking at the opportunities so so a risk is both sides it's like two sides of the coin um, there's a risk of me driving here getting into an accident but there's an opportunity of me driving here and meeting someone awesome like you and then expanding my network so there's always a pro and a con to different situations and a risk manager just really supports the organization in terms of identifying all of those making sure we've got a good handle on it that um, we've potentially quantified it if it is a financial risk or that we've just understood you know practically what does this mean how can this impact our business so there's a lot of fun stuff like futures thinking in there. You've got to think what is going to happen and what can happen that can change and disrupt our business as an example. And you want to really be at the front edge um, and the leading edge of new things all the time. That's so interesting. So, so yeah, it's not just making sure that you protect the business. It's also to make sure that you take enough risk to grow the business. So you're, you're a little bit of a cheerleader as well to say, <laughs> guys, come on, we can do this. Oh, man, it's such an interesting role. And thank you so much for breaking it down for us because in my mind it was always like you're looking for fires where there's a fired purple group you're there with an extinguisher you're making sure that things I hope but now that you explain it it makes so much sense that if the business is going to grow we need to look at the opportunities the cost the risks and you're the sort of the person that looks at that stuff which sounds very it it seems like every day is going to be a different day for you exactly well if I do my job properly we will not have fires (laughs) (laughs) but we will probably in our minds think about where all those fires can be and 
proactively put stuff in place to make sure that we don't deal with that. So I know that you spent um, the last 15 years at the JSE. Phenomenal 15 years. You've done quite a lot. Uh, why do you decide to make the move to Purple Group now? So let me go a little bit back into my history. I spoke a little bit about the investment clubs yes, yes. and how I was really keen to understand finances right back then when I was a young girl. So I've always wanted to make finance easy wanted everyone to have an opportunity to be able to be financially empowered to help you make your money work for you so that you don't work for your money so it's something I've always been passionate about and that's why I had started the investment clubs and why I've studied investments and I'm a CFA charter holder because I wanted it to be demystified I wanted to understand what makes this tick and what really is the trick in it and so I've always been very passionate about also trying to help explain that to everyone else around me, like bring people along the journey with me. Uh, My parents are both from very different backgrounds. My mom, an HR specialist, and my dad was more on the legal and sort of client, uh, a compliance sort of um, administrative side of the business. Uh, They were both in, in public sector in Alberton Town Council. So they didn't really know that much about investing and how to help me. They obviously gave me pillars, like, you know, principles of how do you do your finances? You've got to save, you've got to spend wisely, those sorts of things, but not really about investing. So I've always wanted to have those tools to help people manage their money so that they, like I've said, have their money work for them and not uh, they for it. So um, at the JSC, there's a lot of work that I did actually to try and help um, get really more retail investors on the market, me and you, people on the street to start buying shares. Um, So I headed up a project uh, looking after our retail strategy and um, actually went out into the industry and got a lot of stockbrokers to be part of the retail committee. And Charles was recommended to me, Charles Savage, the, the Purple Group CEO. And he joined the committee and he had just such awesome ideas to contribute. And it was really phenomenal working with him over the years. We jointly lobbied for lots of different things being brought into the industry. One of the things I'm thinking about now is the tax-free savings accounts. We worked very closely with government to get that instituted so that people are encouraged. You know, there's a tax incentive to actually save as well. And we thought of lots of different things and lots of ideas of how to get retail investing on the market. So it was always close to my heart. But yeah, there were just lots of opportunities in the exchange of different things to get involved in. So as you said, ended up spending 15 years there in lots of different roles. The last one was risk. But yeah, I think just after having such a rich journey at the exchange, I just felt that I need to go back to my roots of really wanting to, my my core purpose is really helping to contribute to democratize investing. And that really uh, resonates with me when we look at Purple Group's vision. Mm. And talking about this contribution that you want to make, what are some key things that you hope to achieve while you're at Purple? So one of the key things is obviously, you know, Purple has really been more of a startup and now we need to change it into a scale up. And so that's why it's quite important for someone like me to come in, create some more structure around the governance processes, the risk, the compliance, um, even the way that we look at our strategy approach on the legal side. So, you know, get all of those guardrails in place to make sure that we're able to now take the business to the next growth level. And also it's becoming more of an international business. It's no longer just a South African business. So really making sure that we set ourselves up well, we create the right level of foundation and I want to use some jargon the control environment so making sure that you've you've set up structures and and you've put yourself up for success you really understand like you've said you don't want to have those fires burning you've proactively identified what are those potential things that could be fires in the future and now we've put structures in place 
to avoid those happening. So that's essentially, I think, one of the main purpose things is just to do that, to make sure that we can continue with our purpose and vision of democratizing investing. So making investing easy for everyone. Good luck on this new journey. We are so happy to have you as part of the Purple Group family. Earlier on, we spoke a bit about your kids, that you've got uh, two young ones, <laughs> very energetic. How important is it for parents to start teaching their kids the value of money investing saving is it something that you're currently doing with your sons yes yeah and um, I actually have three sons so mm -hmm. we're a blended family um, I've got two biological and and my partner has a son so yes like you said five years old six years old and eight years old and at this stage they really just want to be ninjas and they're comparing <laughs> the size the size of their uh, six packs so um, yeah money at this stage isn't something that they, for them it's what buys Lego that's pretty much what money is but yes so definitely I think it's important to instill those principles so we've started explaining to them you know how valuable certain things are and they need to look after their things and and how lucky they are and privileged they are i mean i was in in public schools and mixture of background of people that i was engaged with and my little two has got the privilege of being in a private school so just explaining to them that you know these are things that not everyone in south africa has and we have to be so so grateful and we need to understand how we work with our money so that we can spend enough on ourselves to keep ourselves happy but then what do we do to give back to the rest of society? So what are those toys you're not using? Let's pull those together. Let's donate those. What are the clothes you're no longer wearing? Let's let's look at that. And also just wisely spending money. So they obviously want to buy Lego until my <laughs> wallet is, is empty. And then explain to them, look, that's for birthday once a year. And then maybe for Christmas, we can ask some people to put money together and you can get some. But also encouraging them to do odd jobs around the house. And then they can earn some money for that. And then start saving and understanding how much money they need to put together to be able to buy the Lego. <laughs> <laughs> and to buy all the stuff they need to be really great ninjas as well. <laughs> yes, that's true. Oh. You know, I know another thing that's very close to your heart is, you know, social investment, giving back, you know, supporting organizations and initiatives that are really doing good. Why is this so important for you? Where does this come from? So I believe in purpose and I believe I was born in South Africa for a reason. Um, we're a country in the world, and I'm going to use jargon now, with one of the highest Gini coefficients. And all that that means is essentially there's the biggest gap in our country between the haves and the have-nots. And so it means that we've got such a big gap between people that actually are wealthy and people that literally live on the streets. I mean, we see it ourselves on a daily basis. So I feel that I was born here to make a contribution to that in some way or form. And so that's why it's important for me to live within my means and use whatever extra funding I've got to help other charitable organizations. So one that I'm very passionate about is Dignity Dreams. They distribute reusable sanitary pads to girls in informal settlements and from under disadvantaged communities. What I love about their uh, story is just that it keeps girls in school because a lot of girls miss school because when they have a period and they don't have the right product to help them and they feel embarrassed, they don't want to go to school, um, they end up missing out at least like a third of their curriculum, which is really, really uh, problematic. And then they, they might not actually pass and, and be able to get on with life. So, so yeah, and it's also um, reusable. So it does contribute to my whole environmentally aware side, sustainability side. So it also helps and it, it's more positive than the other one-use products that we have. Yeah, so and it, it's also contributing to having more women um, actually getting an education 
And women raise the nation. I mean, they're the ones that raise their kids. You're the, you're the first one, obviously, along with your partner or your husband to give them principles to teach your kids what, what they need to learn um, in society. So I think if you can educate our women, you're educating the nation. So yes, so, so very passionate about that. Um, and then another charity that, that we support through Women in ETFs is Great Girls. They're Cape Town based. And they do like also like a mentorship program for girls in Kailitsha where they just give them exposure to women that are already in corporate and giving them ideas of what sorts of corporate jobs can you aspire to do one day and give them that support and, and structure in terms of how can they get there. We also donate some of our work clothes to them, those sort of practical things that they can actually then when they go for their first job interview, yes. they, they're in a nice suit and yeah, I think it's an obligation I have as a citizen of South Africa to make our country the best. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having such a big heart and for touching so many young women, which I think is so important and of course even as an investor on Easy Equities, you know, you can play your part donate for good i know on the final buy confirmation page platform you can also donate whether it's five rand or 50 rand or 500 rand to a charity so i think the work that you're doing in corporate is amazing but even the work outside is so important and you know we all need to play our role to make this country better we're not going to wait for government or with we need to start taking some action and that's what i really love about what you've said uh, another thing that i'm very interested to know from you is when you're not um, on your corporate hustle and when you're not doing all this charity work what do you like to do for fun sure okay fun uh, i did tell you i've got a five and a six and eight year old <laughs> so <laughs> fun at this stage the five-year-old is a cricket player uh the six-year-old plays soccer we've got a match tomorrow morning and the eight-year-old is a rugby player so we have lots of, of of sports games that they keep us busy with and we obviously have to practice these sports with them as well <laughs> so they do keep us busy but i am quite a social butterfly uh as i mentioned we had the supper club so i've still got yes. my supper club friends we get together we uh have birthday parties of our kids we we pretty much have kids all the same ages so Lots of things like that. But yeah, I, I think the only other thing I can mention that I do in my free time is that I follow a lot of inspiring individuals globally as well. I really love the TED Talks, those sorts of things. I think just, you know, broadening your horizon. I love to follow some of the stuff of World Economic Forum, what they're doing. So yeah, it really is just a combination of the kids, the friends, and then trying to save the world maybe one day. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love that. Uh, last but not least, I'd like to know what have been your worst and your best financial decisions? So my just under 40 year old, which is me next year, I'll be 40, has made a very bad financial decision literally, I think, end of, when was it? Not last year, maybe the year before. Maybe it was COVID. I, I'm going to blame it on COVID. Um, is I just got this urge to spend a lot of money to buy a very expensive car. So I do save money. So I didn't buy it on credits. I don't believe in, in taking out loans unless it's a house, a home loan, because that's an asset. A car is not an asset, but I did spoil myself quite badly, obviously coming out of the divorce I think I felt a little bit bruised and I felt now I'm gonna just go and do that so that is probably the worst financial decision I've ever made I'm not gonna buy expensive car like that <laughs> ever again but now I need to live with it um, and I have to make the best of it so I'm gonna drive that car for the next 10 years I promise you that's the worst one the the best one I probably would go uh, back into a story I just want to share a story with you my godmother had a financial advisor that helped her. Her husband was a diplomat for South Africa. Uh, she had to stay at home because he was a diplomat. And they had this financial advisor, uh, Lady Beverly Barkas, and she was just phenomenal when I met her. I think I was like 
five years old when I met her. I can't even remember, but I just remember looking at this woman and thinking, oh, she looks so beautiful and, and feminine and well articulated and all of those sorts of things. Because a lot of women that were in finance at that stage had to like adopt quite a lot of masculine attributes. And I just thought that she was an awesome role model. And she told me, save, always save. Doesn't matter how old you are, you can always start saving. And so I think my, my best financial decision was to listen to her to make sure that I put away at least 20% of my salary, possibly even more if I don't need to live off of that. And then make sure I don't become dependent on my salary because then it feels like you're trapped. So yeah, I think that's an important principle and that's probably a good good one. Not only taking in the advice, but actually internalizing it and actually using it um, and saving, which I think is amazing. Nicola, good luck on your new role uh, and welcome to the Purple Group family. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Awesome. It was lovely. Thanks. So Easy Vibes with Purple's new Chief Risk Officer, Nicola. You know, just learning a little bit about who she is. And now I know what her role is. She plays a very important role. Thank you for pressing play on the Easy Does It podcast. A big shout out to you for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter and Insta. Our handle is at Easy Equities.